0: All right. What's up, hustlers? So today, incredibly excited to have Brandon Abedin on the show. Brandon, thank you for coming.
1: Oh, yeah. My pleasure. It's, it's you know, not too hard to come to Vegas for an interview. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: awesome. Well, Brandon, you're, you're a family man. You're into fitness. You're into jujitsu. You're crushing it in the mortgage industry, and you've got a lot of great new projects coming up. So I'm excited to talk to you about all that. But let's start with uh, what really got you into the mortgage industry. You started really young, right? I
1: did. I did. I actually say I fell into it. Okay. Literally and figuratively, I was bartending at a little Mexican restaurant through college. And these guys would come in for happy hour margaritas every day between five and seven. And they always saw me working hard. They saw me cleaning. And I was very sociable with them. They told me when I graduate, come and talk to them if I ever wanted a job. Yeah. Didn't really think mortgage was the thing I wanted to do when I yeah. got out of college, but I saw the cars and I saw the things that were coming. And then my mom went to work there. And for the first time ever, you know, we we've lived on food stamps. My mom would wait tables at the restaurant with me to make extra money. So all of a sudden my mom made a ten thousand dollar commission check, which would be a year's income for her back then. Oh. And I was coming home from work one night, got in a very, very severe motorcycle accident in 2000 when I was 20 years old, almost lost my leg, a lot of nerve damage, a lot of internal bleeding, several surgeries, a month in the hospital, and a year of recovery. You know, wheelchair, walker, physical therapy, the whole nine yards to just get back to walking again. And during that year, I was out of school, racking up a lot of medical bills. And I kept thinking about that offer that those guys said was out there when I finished school and I called them and didn't need a college degree. So I went in, interviewed, got the job at 20, just about to turn 21 years old. I was the youngest person they'd ever hired right in the peak of the subprime boom back 2000, 2001. And it was, the rest was history from there. It, it, Got me into sales, got me working with some sales coaches there, quickly was the top producer consistently every single month, and then battling to get promoted. But I was 21. Yeah. <laughs> so big company, people 10, 15, 20 years experience in there, and that's who I'm competing against for promotions. Yeah, But I knew I was the best at it and kept staying in their face, kept telling them that, you're all coming to me with questions. I'm training your people. It's time to just promote me. And I, I just stayed in their face enough and kind of the squeaky wheel gets the grease eventually. And so I was the youngest person they ever promoted at 21, nice. right before my 22nd birthday. And then after I got promoted, I had the number one team in the company. We had the most consecutive months as the top team in a row. So we had a lot of fun. I I, I enjoyed the Coaching and and uh, team leader position way more than the sales position. Yeah, I had a team of people that were succeeding, and I think that's where I kind of found that passion yeah. for managing and and growing a team and, and building a sales team and seeing other people succeed. And we we had a blast. You know, we uh, were the first team ever to be the top team three months in a row. So. Like the, I was a big Michael Jordan fan, so I got three yeah. three peat hats made for the team, <laughs> and we all had our three peat hats on in the company meeting, and we wore them that whole week after we won the top team award for the third consecutive time. Yeah, so we had a lot of fun, and and that's when I just fell in love with selling, and the passion and the competitiveness got filled because I couldn't compete in sports anymore after my wreck, so this got me in, into something competitive again. Yeah.
0: I like that, and you know, I can tell you, you know—a salesperson can spot another salesperson, and I—I I can just tell that, you know, you're a salesperson through and through for sure. So I get this question a lot. So I'd love to hear your opinion on it. But what what qualities do you think like a great salesperson has versus a great sales leader? Like, do you, you think it's the same? You think it's different?
1: I definitely think it's different. Yeah, I—I I think a salesperson. Needs to be very selfish and self centered and focused more on himself to just be the number one salesperson. Yeah. You know, in business, that I tell a lot of my guys that you need to be selfish right now and focus on you, your daily activities, your to do list, and drown out all the other noise and just stay hyper focused. Be a machine. On your goals, your vision, when we're doing their planning, now if they have a family, of course, that's part of it. But again, taking care of your family is still about you. Yeah. So my focus is with the salespeople, they need to be really, really in tune with themselves and be focused. As a leader, that goes to that opposite, that servant mentality. You have to understand that you now actually serve your team it's a cliche but it's a cliche because it's true yeah and it's been around for a long time so i'm working harder for my team and i always tell them i'll give you as much effort as you give me so a guy that's loafing and, and half-assing it he's not going to get a hundred percent of my attention and focus whereas if you're coming in early you're staying late i'll work with you till 9 p.m 10 p.m we'll sit in the office together We'll get on a Zoom on Saturday or Sunday. Whatever you're willing to put in, I'm willing to put in. Yeah, And so I think that's one of the big differences as a leader is now you have to take on all the responsibility and the burden of of really working for your team and and leading them from within and and actually not being a manager but a a true leader that people want to follow. Because that's a big part of it too is if people don't want to follow you, you're not you're not leading and, yeah. and they're going to turn away or you're not going to get good results out of your team. Yeah, that makes total sense.
0: All right. And, you know, you I'm sure over the years you've had all kinds of different businesses, business opportunities thrown at you or put on your plate. What is it about mortgages and real estate that's really kept you laser focused on
1: that? I was the best at it very, very quickly. It was a business that made sense. Yeah. I came from a a background very kind of jaded background. I had a a pretty dark, you know, upbringing and and so but I always had a focus on changing that. I didn't want to grow up and end up like my parents. I didn't want to end up in the neighborhoods I grew up in. I didn't want to be around that element. Yeah. And so I got in mortgage and and just I I thrived and had Pretty early success, my first year in the business with no experience, being one of the top salespeople in the entire company, being the most consistent month after month, and then the same thing in management. So it just clicked, and it made sense and really had a passion and a knack for it. Then, I'll be honest, at the beginning, it was about the money. Yeah, Being a poor kid who had nothing growing up, at first, it was just about the money. Yeah, And a lot of people are ashamed to say that, but that was originally the motivator. Then it grew from that into, I'm actually doing a good deed for people. I'm actually helping people. I'm doing something really important. And now one of my things I tell my team is, you have to take this job as serious as a doctor. We have the second most important job behind doctors. And the way I say it is because we're dealing with their home and people's home, other than their health, is one of the most important things that they're ever going to invest in. This is where their family lives. This is where they raise their children. This is where they, I mean, everything centers around the home and the family. So that's why I tell my guys, we're on call twenty-four-seven, like a doctor. You have to be available. If you don't take it that seriously, my team's not a fit for you. You can go work at a bank, work 9 to 5. Yeah. But- I want people that are that passionate about it. And so I just developed a real love for it over the years. The money was great in the beginning, but then it became a true passion and somewhere where I really excelled and and it's been 23 years, I'm getting old now. (laughs) You got to like it if you're going to stick in something that long.
0: Yeah, of course. Well, for you, I mean, I know when you started your company, you, you ran into some <laughs> adversity in the first couple of months and you kind of hit a pivotal point where you weren't sure yeah. if you were going to keep it going or tell us about that.
1: Yeah. So we opened, let's see, that would have been right around June of 05. Okay. And any Louisiana people will remember August of 2005, the worst storm in the history of the country. Hurricane Katrina hit. Yeah. Just decimated the entire Gulf Coast. We were in Baton Rouge, our office was servicing Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Mississippi. All of my business at the time was right there in that Southern Mississippi, New Orleans, Baton Rouge area. New Orleans was off the map. Wow. Mississippi was destroyed. And we went several weeks where we didn't even have phone service. Wow. So that first 90 days, you're all excited and getting the business going to I'm panicking and I've spent pretty much all my money that I had saved up to buy the equipment, buy the phones, buy marketing, buy leads. And overnight everything's natural
0: gone. disaster just comes through, comes out of nowhere. The friggin'
1: yeah. biggest hurricane in the history of America yeah. wipes out everything. And so we actually, had no contact with the outside world. You couldn't get your phone to work and gridlock traffic throughout the city. Wow. You, you had all these people in flux from New Orleans. So one day I went to a printing place and I got a couple of hundred of those wire stake yard signs. Mm-hmm. And I just put those friggin signs out all over town with my cell phone number because we couldn't get our office phones to work. And or I'm sorry, we did the office phone. The cell phones were shot. Yeah. And so my phone finally came on and I put hundreds of those at the median all across town at every major red light, every intersection. I had those signs, Hurricane Katrina victims, 100% financing available. We can help. Yeah. And I dropped those everywhere within a day. All of a sudden, my phone's ringing off the hook. Yeah. And to this day I always say that that was the biggest return on investment of any marketing dollar I've ever spent. Yeah. And it actually saved the I might not be here today if we hadn't done that and I hadn't got those yard signs made because we were 30 days from being yeah. bankrupt. I mean, how long can you last without
0: at, you know without any revenue coming in so yeah i, I
1: had i had 60 days <laughs> yeah <that's laughs> to crazy. start turning a profit or else i was going back to work for someone else yeah
0: well that's i mean that's what successful people do you got to despite all that even though you couldn't see that challenge coming no right. matter what you had to figure out a way to overcome it
1: so incredible yeah
0: well nowadays you know your your business is doing incredibly well and now you got quite the family going right
1: Awesome family, yes. That's awesome, great kids, great wife. So, I've I've been very fortunate. Yeah, you know, that's and, awesome. and like I say, kind of breaking those generational curses. Yeah. So I, I I take great pride in that. That you know I have everything I didn't have growing up, and my kids have everything that I would have dreamed of having yeah. growing up. So, you know, I I I'd say though I have to create some adversity for them. Yeah. Because they do have it so well but yeah. my, my youngest son one day he said my life is perfect yeah. <laughs> he was asked how he felt he goes I feel great my life is perfect and so he's in jiu-jitsu he competes and you know and so that to me you know standing in a ring across from another man to fight that's adversity that's yeah. that that tests you For sure. and, and I mean he's had he's had cage fights at yeah. a pro mma fight as an opening one of the undercard fights and so you know to get in front of Thousand, two thousand 2000 people in in a in a in a cage the octagon just like UFC at 9 years old yeah, that's, that's a that's a killer thing to do and so they,
0: do they have him doing MMA in that or is he doing Jiu-Jitsu He did
1: roles? just his was a submission only fight okay, gotcha. yeah yeah this was cuz they didn't want the liability of having kids yeah, blasting sure, each other for in for the sure. face yet yeah. but it was a submission only fight for the two kids and yeah. so he's had two of those and then he's had probably 30 uh, fight as far as jujitsu tournaments and stuff so he's That's he's crazy he's quite quite the competitor but I, I feel that challenge and that adversity is what's going to make him so much more confident and, and better prepared for life
0: yeah we were talking quite a bit about how humbling jitsu can be even for somebody like me or you who's done sports growing up and yeah. taking care of health so did you start doing jujitsu right when your son got into it or
1: I did I did I did I I boxed yeah. in high school and a little bit in college and went and trained, actually trained with some guys that went on to have some really good pro UFC careers. Dustin Poirier came yeah. out of Louisiana. Nice. I came home one time with a couple of black eyes. My wife, we were dating at the, she goes, what happened with you? I was like, oh, I was sparring with Dustin. <laughs> Dustin Poirier <laughs> happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I, I got to share the the mat and the ring with some some really – impressive guys that went on to have these these UFC careers and that's when I found out I didn't know how to fight yeah (laughs) I was a decent boxer but once these guys started kicking you getting you on the ground I said I was a turtle on my back yeah and that's when I knew that jujitsu is where it's at and if I ever had a son that's where he's gonna start to get the fundamentals of jujitsu wrestling then I work with him on his hands and, and boxing, but until you have that ground game, you're you're not ready mm-hmm. to, to be in water. the ring yeah. with these guys. And so that was that was a really humbling, like we were talking about, experience to get completely manhandled by somebody mm-hmm. and feel totally defenseless, yeah, on your back and on the ground. And so now the last four or five years that uh, I've been training, not as often. My son is. Never misses four or five days a week. Yeah, he's going to World Finals next weekend and competing in Orlando. I would train a couple days a week and then had some injuries and some setbacks. But yeah. I, I've been training for about four years now, and it's it's still you get you get handled every single day by these upper belts and these yeah. guys that. You know, or some of them are not unsuspecting. You wouldn't look yeah. at him and think that this guy's a killer, and then all of a sudden he's got you choked out on the ground. We were
0: talking about that, how, <clears throat> you know, somebody like you or me who's, you know, you, you feel pretty confident about the shape you're in. Right. You can... <clears throat> Go in there. You can see somebody who's either a lot heavier than you, so you kind of think, "All right, well, I, I'm a lot more fit than this guy. I'm going to run circles around yeah, him. I
1: could wear him out."
0: Or even the opposite. This is like, "Oh, he's just a little guy. You know, I I got this, no problem." But if <laughs> if they know the technique,
1: you are screwed. It's over.
0: Yeah, it for is sure. over. And,
1: and that's what I love about it. It is the most challenging of any sport I've done. Yeah, bodybuilding. The nutrition was the hardest. And the most disciplined part of that, but jujitsu to me is the hardest because there's so much that you just can't ever really master it. Yeah, just like in bodybuilding, there's no perfect physique, so you're always kind of chasing that. Yeah, that I feel jujitsu is that new chapter for me and a new challenge.
0: Yeah, I I think a lot of people also they don't really. Uh, something I've enjoyed is the value of learning a new skill where you're completely starting from square one. Because you know, in like mortgage, for example, you've really established yourself. You've done the homework. You know the market. You know how uh, your business is going to grow. You've got a trajectory that you're on. Right. When you step into that first jujitsu practice, <laughs> you're a baby you fresh out the womb oh you yeah. know so yeah um what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned in practicing jiu-jitsu
1: well it was definitely that you don't know shit yeah you think you're a pretty tough guy you think you're in good shape my first week we laugh about it now because i didn't look at the schedule
0: mm-hmm.
1: i just went The days I brought my son yeah and Saturday is comp class at the gym that I train at which is competition class Mm -hmm. my first week we laugh about it now because I was the first guy that showed up at comp class for his second class yeah and I had just come out of a bodybuilding season so I I looked looked (laughs) apart so these guys were looking at me like "Oh, okay who's this guy yeah and my kids are watching my (laughs) wife is watching And then daddy just gets dismantled, Mm. five minute rounds, 10 rounds, and we did five rounds in gi and then two minute break and then five rounds with no gi on. And I remember that break when we were changing out of the gi to to just put on the shorts, looking out the door outside and looking back at all these freaking black belts and purple belts and out the door, and I, I had that moment but I couldn't quit. Yeah. So, I finished the class and afterwards the owner of the gym, a friend of mine, he goes, "I'll give you credit, man. You 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 made it through the class." He goes, he goes, "I didn't think you were going to make it." <laughs> he said, "But you showed heart." Yeah. And and so that was the thing was that these guys are on a whole different level. Yeah. And it takes years and years of of consistent training to get to that level so and you can never never master it like there's always someone better or someone who's got a tech or they've got your number yeah you, know, you could be a world champion but this guy's style he's just got your number and yeah. so that's what i i really found was it was a whole new challenge and it's very cerebral because you actually have to think at first you're just trying to survive the right first six months to a year as a white belt you're just trying to survive yep but then after a year, two years, stuff starts to slow down. Things start to make sense. Even mm-hmm. if you can't execute the move, you at least know and you start to see things and, and they're moving at a slower pace. It becomes and,
0: more of a dance.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it becomes a chess match and it's not all strength. Yeah. Yeah that's they still feel like you're still trying to muddle. Mm-hmm. it's like well, i gotta do something with you i guys. hear that all the
0: time from my my coaches like you're still you still trying, trying to all you it. got is your strength right now yeah yep. so for sure well um i mean i think you know learning those same lessons in jujitsu is something i I've, I've looked back at and been like man i wish i experienced this before mm-hmm. i was starting my business yes yeah. i think people a lot of those same situations will come up when people are starting in mortgage, starting in insurance, or starting mm-hmm. in any sales position. Yeah, and they'll leave during that first practice, like you almost did. You know, so man, that's a pretty
1: incredible experience. Yeah, um, and I think it's a great confidence builder. Yeah, especially for kids, teenagers, men. I I think, and women too. We have some women in there that can. I mean, there's some women in there that give me trouble, Yeah, real trouble. They're black belts, brown belts, and these girls will just – I come out of there, my shoulder's hurting. Yeah. They, they'll twist you up. For sure. But the confidence that it builds, and ironically, I, I loved where Joe Rogan talked about it, where if more people did martial arts and did jujitsu and things like that, we would actually have less violence – and less fights and less problems yeah. in, in the country. And, and I do believe that because now you know what you can do, but you want to de-escalate a situation. Totally. It's, I, haven't, I haven't been in a fight since I was in my early 20s, mm-hmm. and I could fight way better now than I ever could. But you just have a deeper understanding and, and, and a much greater self-control. Yeah. After doing it. And so I, I think that's one of the things, too, I see with my son. His confidence level is through the roof. Yeah. But then he wins the uh, Disciple of Christ Award at his school for being the most Christ-like kid in his grade and the most you know, caring and giving kid. But he could also probably choke out any kid in the school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's that good balance that a man should have. Well, I think people
0: hear... Any kind of martial arts. Your average person, they'll hear any kind of martial arts and they'll think, oh, you're probably aggressive. You probably like hurting people. And they really don't understand <clears throat> Jujitsu's is more just about knowing how to defend yourself against any aggressor. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I loved uh, the Jordan Peterson take where he talked about how a man needs to be violent, needs to be a savage, needs to have. The ability to be violent Mm -hmm. but be able to control it yeah and that was one of those things that i i fully agree with because he made a good point he said if you're weak and have no ability for violence you're not noble you're just weak yeah the the guy who's the high level black belt that can that's what martial arts teach you to control that Mm -hmm. but have that ability and so that was one of the things I had recently seen, and, and I showed it to my son, and he's a prime example of that. He's yeah. a model citizen, but he he wants to be the next Conor McGregor. He wants to be the next Dustin Poirier. Yeah, and, and he, he has can, he has the potential to do it, if and he, he and he
0: can do that with class and mm-hmm. respect for the game and respect for his opponent and all of that it yep. doesn't it doesn't mean he's a violent kid no, no. <laughs> far he, from it actually he, he, so he
1: avoids stuff he had a kid at school he said oh yeah this kid took a stick and tried to hit me because I, I scored a touchdown on him i said "Well, what'd you do he goes i just stood there yeah he said and he put the stick down <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah I, I just let him think about it let him think it through <laughs> Well, you've got you know in in business now you've got uh, you've got a talk show of your own. You're typically on the other side of the mic asking yeah. the
1: questions, right? Yeah. <laughs> Tell us yeah. a little bit about that. Very cool. I love it. Yeah. I Absolutely love it. That's why when this opportunity came up and you guys invited me out here, it was it was really an honor. And I told you on the way here, I said it's gonna be kind of cool being on the opposite side of the mic. Yeah. Because I do my radio show on FM radio in Baton Rouge, and I do a lot of interviews, and then sometimes I just go solo on the air for an hour. Yeah, financial fitness is the show, and nice. I always say it's my two passions: business, finance, and health and wellness. And so, a lot of like what you'd like to do too is I try to bring people who bring value. Yeah, on my show, and have interviews setups just similar to this where we're talking business or passion or health. Things that I feel I paid a lot of money for in coaching and personal development that I try to give my audience that for free. Yeah. Because right. not everybody can afford a business coach. For sure. Or they think they can. Everyone should hire one. And that's a big thing for me is just trying to bring some value and some knowledge and things that I wish 20 years ago in my career someone would have taught me because I had no mentors. It was just all trial by fire. And, and yeah. uh, what, what uh school of hard knocks yeah <laughs> i learned learned all my lessons the hard way just figuring it out as i went
0: it's a great way to learn for yeah. sure yeah. yeah but i i hear you i mean it's awesome being able to share what you know and and share what your guests know for free i mean nobody's paying to listen to my show your show it's right. just it's it's free value it's yeah pretty incredible
1: no that's awesome and it, and it speaks to you as as someone who wants to do that yeah definitely well,
0: I mean, for you and your in your family life, I mean, you. We talked a little bit before about how you know you kind of take some of the principles that you've learned in in business, some of the principles you've learned in jujitsu, and you're you kind of using that in how you want to run your family and how you want to raise your family. So tell us a little bit about that. What are some of the lessons you've learned that you try and make sure
1: your your kids are picking up on? We are a extremely competitive family. Yeah. It's it's fun. We we have a healthy smack talk yeah. in the house. I think competitiveness is a huge thing for us. Same things that make you successful in, in your business and in sales. Yeah. Being hungry, never being satisfied, and always. My my little boy at six, eight years old, he knew, even though he didn't fully comprehend it yet, but he would know I have to outwork everyone in practice. Yeah, I have to be the hardest working kid in class. And so those basic success principles that are big in business and sales are things that I started teaching from an early, early age when you know the two oldest kids were in elementary school and then my little boy putting those same fundamental values in their head and then instilling in them that, that competitive drive. That wanting to be the best or whatever they do. And I told him, I said, I don't care. I said, There's a guy in New Orleans that's a multimillionaire that started with a garbage truck. Yeah. And then he bought more garbage trucks and said, And he's worth a hell of a lot more money than me. And he was a garbage man. King of trash, man. Yeah. yeah so I, I think that that's a big one is, you know, showing them the things that I learned in personal development, in coaching, and in how they treat other people. My kids are, very respectful yeah they're champion athletes the oldest son was a quarterback and state champion in football daughter was a volleyball star and the little one's a jujitsu champion yeah. and and these kids are all respectful the kids that were bullied in school they took under their wing the kids that were picked on or if they had like a special needs class or anything like they always looked out for those kids and it was really interesting to get those calls from the parents or some of these kids that we met that were freshmen when our oldest was in high school. And I go, you know, Landon was always so nice to me and he always treated me good. And all the other seniors were jerks on the football team. Yeah. So he's the star quarterback. He could be that guy. But instead, I, I, I look at it. They're the model citizen. They're like, I say, they're that guy that you're is he real like he's straight a's he's the captain of the team he's a great athlete he's good looking yeah and he's the nicest guy too like wait a minute yeah <laughs> so i think those core values and in, in how you treat others they they all went to catholic school so they got that catholic school upbringing my wife is they call her superwoman she's the best mother a kid could ever have. And so like we were talking, you know, your your uh your wife's going to be able to stay at home with the baby here. Yeah. And so I think that was huge having her present at the house while yeah. I was working. You know, that family dynamic that we try to change in in America sometimes. There is a hierarchy with the the father as the provider, the caretaker, the mother as the nurturing yeah. mother figure in the household. And when you keep that family dynamic in place, it makes for healthier children. Yeah. And the problem with a lot of kids these days is there's no real male, strong male figure in the house. The father's not present. Yeah. Half, I mean, more than half of the problems in this country start with that absentee father. And yeah. so I I say I try to break that generational curse. We've had some things that I... I think there are things to be proud of that we kind of kept hidden in the closet as a family. And and to me, I said, I don't see why anyone's ashamed of that. Like my grandfather was extremely abusive to my father and my uncles to the point where my grandmother shot him and killed him. And that was like one of those skeletons that I didn't find out about till I was probably in my 20s for my older brother. Never found out about from my dad. And to me, I, I thought that's actually speaks volumes about grandma. Yeah, yeah, I'm proud of her. That's something that I wouldn't be ashamed of. Your grandma's awesome. Like what she did, the courage and the what she had to deal with in that household to, to take you guys out of that, you know, and so. I, I look at the the troubles that you know my father a- endured. and then when he was gone for a good half of my life and came back and we rekindled things, I, I think that's why I'm so much more in tune and involved with my kids and with my wife because I want to break that generational curse and that that you know that plague that my yeah. father went through, my uncle's went through, the things that me and my brother went through. I want my kids to have the life that we didn't have, but I don't want to make them soft either. I, yeah. That's why I, I make sure I train them and groom them to be real men at the same time <laughs> yeah. without making life too easy on them. Nice.
0: And, you know, we talked a little before to, cause I, I asked your advice cause I'm going to be a father soon, but you talked about uh, how a friend of yours taught you how important it is to be showing up to those events. Yes. consistently. So, what did you see when you made that change and you started showing up to every single every single jiu-jitsu match, every single volleyball match? Yeah,
1: shout out to Brian Moses, one of the best coaches, uh, mentors I've had in my professional life. Brian and I got to be good friends mm-hmm. through mortgage and real estate coaching. He spoke at an event of mine, and his son was a quarterback in high school. My son was a quarterback there about the same age. Yeah. Brian was coming to be our keynote speaker. And I told him, my son's got a game tonight, so if you want, I can bring you to your hotel. And he said, Brian curses like a sailor. He's like, fuck yeah. that, I'm coming to your son's game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, Brian hops in the car with me, he comes to the game, and that's when we just hit it off. His yeah. son's a quarterback, we started talking, and when he was coaching me, I was a workaholic back then. I still am, but now I detach from my family. I didn't take vacation. I missed a lot of games. I missed a lot of events. And Brian hit me right between the eyes when he was in town that week. We had a heart-to-heart talk over dinner, and he looked just like we're looking. He goes, you promise me you're not going to miss another fucking one of your kids' games yeah. ever again. And it was really powerful. He said, and take out your phone. Yeah, I need you to book a one week vacation this summer with your family and you're going to take off work and you're taking your family on a real vacation. And ever since then, we we have our family vacation and I've not missed a game, an event. I'm always present with the kids and yep. I took it to heart, even little things for my nieces one day it it. It really resonated because I think about when you get home and you're tired. My son, he loves to jump on me and choke me out. Yeah, Dad, let me show you this new. Show me this new choke. Let me I show you this new. Yeah. yeah, Dad, let me show you the anaconda choke. Yeah, and he really can choke me out. Yeah, and so I'm tired. I'm exhausted, but no matter what, I'm gonna get on the ground and I'm gonna let him choke let him do this choke thing. me out. Or, Dad, come see this. I might be laying in bed. But he'll tell he's playing his game. Come see this. I will get out of bed and I'm always gonna be present and look and engage in whatever because it's important to him. Yeah. And I remember one day we were outside at our pool, my niece was trying to get her mom's attention. And it's the silliest little thing. She was just jumping in the pool. Mom, watch. Mom watch. Mom's on the phone pretending she's watching, but she's not. And the niece is upset. Mom, you aren't looking. Yeah they they pay attention to they that i remember shit. that and yeah. and it's it's so subtle but it's not yeah and when we realize that it's not it is one of those things that i think made me a better parent was just being present with them mm-hmm. yeah you know, I'm, I'm big i'm put the phones away and yeah my business revolves around the freaking phone so that's a hard thing yeah but we put the phones away. Let's hang out. We're watching a movie the other night. I'm telling the kids, put your phones down. It's movie night. We're in the theater room. Put your phones down. We're going to watch a movie together as a family. You don't need your phone for the next two hours. Yeah. And just being present for all those little things. And when you get home from a hard day, we, we're in sales. So there's yeah. going to be some hard days. We That's manage true. a lot of people. They're going to get under your, ner- under your skin and get on your nerves. But don't bring that shit in the house. Yeah. You got to come home, smile, and be present with the family. And all that negativity with your job, all that's got to go out the window. Don't vent to your wife. Don't complain because then they're not going to really get dad. They're not going to get the positive energy from dad. They're just going to see you as this grumpy guy coming home from work in a bad mood. Yeah. And then they're going to associate work with that negativity, yeah. which, I mean, my job – provides a life that I only dreamed of yeah I've owned all my dream cars I'm actually now like tired of them I'm selling (laughs) I'm like they were fun for a little while until you start having to maintain them yeah you know but it gave me everything I ever wanted and so why would I complain when I get home to my wife and kids? plus they don't need to hear that shit anyway yeah I need to be with them and, and and enjoy that time because we spend I know I spend more time at work than I do at home So I've got to make the most of it. Nice.
0: Well, we've talked about a lot. We've talked (coughs) business. We've talked fitness. We've talked jujitsu. We've talked family. So uh, over the course of your life, Brandon, what would you say is like one of the biggest lessons you've had to learn that you feel like everybody should learn at some point?
1: One that's been very recent, and I've been preaching it to my teenagers, especially my daughter, is not to give a shit what anyone thinks I wish I'd have learned that 20 years ago and you really can't trust anybody and it's a hard reality when it sinks in that there's this many friends family people that you can truly trust when the chips are down that really have your best interest at heart and at the end of the day, not to give a shit what anyone else thinks. <laughs> I was going to my wife's 30 reunion last night and it was funny because we were talking as we were walking up and I forget what brought it up, but I, I remember I looked over and I said, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care what, and I said, it's so liberating to not worry what people think. Yeah, And there's still that small percentage for business mm-hmm. reasons that I still worry about my image for my business. Sure. But to truly have so little concern for what other people think will actually propel you a lot further in life because we're wasting so much time and energy on other people that don't fucking matter. Yeah. They're not gonna add any value to your life you're going to get some likes on social media, whatever, who cares yeah. that those people are not really of any value. Like the people who are of value, you can probably count on one hand. Yeah. And that's, that's who needs to be in your circle. And I wish I found that out and figured that out in my teens and my twenties. And it's hard. You learn it. Some people never learn it. Yeah. You know, you most people are always still trying to please everybody. Yeah. But That has really been something in the last three to five years. That you know that as kind of like as you rise in in your career and as you move forward, that circle seems to get smaller and smaller. Yeah. And those people who I used to come to Vegas and you get the VIP room and you buy the I I don't do that dumb shit anymore. Five thousand dollars for a VIP section and bottle service and they bring the spark like who cares like all the sparklers and all the it's just for everyone else to look at you and go "Oh wow yeah but afterward i remember i got home and i said did we really spend ten thousand dollars this weekend in vegas for what yeah i can have the same amount of fun with a couple of my close friends for 500 bucks yeah (laughs) definitely well that's an incredible lesson for sure
0: And, um, you know, we've talked about all these different things. I've loved having you on the show. So if, if people want to get in touch with you, Brandon, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Yeah, you can, you can look me up, Brandon Abaddon on social media. I'm on Instagram. It's Brandon underscore Abaddon, Facebook, Brandon Abaddon, intelligent mortgage is my company. Yeah. And the website intelligentmortgage.us. Yeah. That's that's the easiest way to find me, and then my cell phone number is all over the internet two two five seven seven two five eight four three. I always tell everybody text me. That's yeah. the that's the best way. If you need to get me, text is the quickest, easiest way. Email I I get so much <laughs> email that I hear you. It's exhausting. I, I I try to only check my email a couple of times a day, but if you text me, I know that you're important. I know that you have my cell number. Yeah, You're going to get an immediate response. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> and last thing is, I know you've got a new project coming up or a couple of new projects that you're really excited about. So tell us a little bit about that.
1: What's in store for you? Yeah. So passion project for me is, is moving to that next chapter mm-hmm. is I want to get into more public speaking, more coaching, and coaching salespeople, coaching business people, even if it's not salespeople. Yeah. Coaching business people. And that was what I got the most enjoyment out of in my career, was when my team was winning. Yeah. It didn't make sense to me when I was younger when I would watch these dads and they quit racing cars, they quit doing this because their son was doing it. And then my son, we got into go-kart racing, and I – I quit racing because I was working on his, yeah, so when it's like watching your kids succeed, you know when you're watching your team succeed, it's actually more fulfilling than when you were doing it on your own, yeah, and so, like kind of like you said, the difference between the top salesman and the sales leader, if you get that extra enjoyment out of seeing other people succeed that that might be your calling, yeah, so I'm wanting to really put together a coaching program that goes a little bit deeper than just make 50 calls a day. Yeah. Anyone that tells you that, I mean, obviously, that's Bush League coaching. Right. Anyone's going to trip and fall across a sale if they make 50 or 100 calls a day. That's not coaching. Yeah. I want to go deeper into life, your morning routine. Yeah. What you do when you wake up, your nutrition, your exercise routine, you're going to actually have the full spectrum from exercise, nutrition, and business all laid out. And, and we're going to hold people accountable who want to really change their life yeah. and fix those things. Because usually your high, high performers, they've got that balance. They're, they're in shape, they're exercising, they're eating right, For sure, energy's there, and their business is on point. Most people are way out of balance in one or both areas. So if we could put together a coaching program that incorporates the health, the nutrition, and the business and the sales expertise that both of them i have been around bodybuilding, nutrition, and sales for 20-plus years. So putting all that together, because really it was the combination of all those things that I think has made my family so wonderful my kids are so well balanced you know my my home life my wife and i get along we're best of friends to the point where you know everyone always sees us and it's like wow goals you know power couple relationship goals we meet people we've never met before and they're like wow what's the secret that's yeah yeah, that's a common question when we're out and about and it's just because there's that energy there's that positivity that people kind of gravitate towards and so if i could instill that and and teach that and coach that to other people, that'll be my legacy beyond my children. You know, I think my children are my ultimate legacy. And then that would be my business legacy if I could put that coaching program together over the next year and really release that to the public. So that's what I'm going to be working on.
0: I love that, man. Well, if I mean, I think if people are being honest with themselves too, everybody really wants that whole package. You don't like people don't really want things like to be the top salesperson. You you want that because that's your ticket to, okay, either I want the opposite sex to give me more attention or I want to be able to afford the house I want and that sort of thing. So if you can really be coaching people on the things they really want, like how do I have a great, well-balanced life overall, that's pretty incredible. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I think that'll be the difference between my coaching and all the other ones out there.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think that we're going to get a lot more finite on the details. Yeah. I went through a lot of coaching and I felt, especially some of the business stuff, Mm -hmm. they would throw some theory out there that sounded pretty good in the, you know, the, the 45 minute sales pitch. Yeah. But then there was no actual well thought out plan how do I actually execute this? Yeah, yeah. Everyone wants to be Tony Robbins, but what's step one? Yeah. Step two, step three, <laughs> step four. You yeah. Know, like a lot of them just go, you know, like there's this magic, yeah, like the abracadabra, and you're going to be rich, and, right? And right. they don't ever give you the steps yeah. in the real formula. And I, and that was my frustration in a lot of the early coaching I did with uh, some of the early coaches. My coaches now are phenomenal. Yeah. And so. If I can take all the things that I spent tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars over the years of coaching and management courses and things and incorporate that all together, that wow. would be something strong for people. That's incredible.
0: Well, you guys heard it first, so if, if you're interested in getting coaching on that or if you just want to connect with Brandon, make sure you do follow him. But, Brandon, thank you again for having you on the show. It's been incredible. Oh, so, yeah. Appreciate awesome. it, brother. Appreciate Thank you. Thank you.